0: We'd like to welcome you to our emergency freedom alerts for March twenty first, two thousand and twenty two. I'm going to go ahead and open us today with the uh, prayer to neutralize occult rituals. Our ro- rotating our warfare prayers, and then we're going to get into a going to get into some subjects today that I some of them I've covered, some of them actually haven't yet. We're actually going to get into a uh, kind of a little mini study on the Seventh Day Adventist cult. Which is what it is. It's a cult. Just like Mormonism, just like Jehovah Witnesses, just like Scientology. Um, it's all in the same vein, classification. Uh, one is neither better than the other. They're, they're all horrible. And uh, it's been something that I've needed to do for many, many years. With the Seventh-day Adventist, it's just so... Um, the way they go about promoting their cult is incredibly subtle and deceptive and i don't know of a of a cult that does a better job at trying to ensnare people under the guise of we're christian we're just christianity practiced the correct right way when you look at the heretical things that founded this cult back in the 1800s leading up till today it's it's laughable it really is absolutely laughable regarding um, what they believe, what they teach, their founder, Ellen White, and uh, it's it's just long overdue. Now, again, I could do a 20-part study on them, but um, we just don't have the time regarding that but i'll go ahead and open us up in prayer Uh, father god in the name of the lord jesus christ the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth seated at the right hand of the father we come in the authority given to us in christ jesus we place a hedge of warring angels with flaming swords of fire around us and our families continuously we put on the whole armor of god we resist and renounce satan the god of this earth we rise to war by the power of the holy spirit against witchcraft occult maneuvers and devices sent against your will in the body of christ we ask you to dispatch legions of warring angels in full battle array to enforce our petitions and intercessory prayers. Route your enemies in all fronts, O Lord. Turn their hatred, anger, accusations, conflict, arrogance, and wicked schemes upon themselves so that they become caught in their own snares and fall into the pits that they have intended for others. We nullify, cancel, and oppose every satanic operation, scheme, maneuver, and strategy. Cause secret plans and agendas and motivations of the enemy to be revealed for everyone to see. We decree and declare what these evil people and entities meant for evil. You will turn it around and use it for the good of your people. We close every evil portal that has been opened by them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood, we break and cancel every curse, spell, hex, vex, Hex, vex, charm, enchantment, decree, spoken or unspoken, sent against the body of Christ, the innocent, and your intercessors by every witch, warlock, Satanist, sorcerer, voodoo, priest, shaman, soothsayer, medium, coven, and every minion of the devil working iniquity. May they fall into the very pits that they have dug for others. Lord Jesus, reveal your love to them. Save those that can be saved. Show them the truth about who they're serving and their eternal destination if they continue in their present path. Open their minds, ears eyes and ears to receive supernatural insight and knowledge to understand the truth of the gospel bring them to salvation lord we seal this prayer by the blood of the lamb and in the name of the lord jesus christ we pray amen okay so before uh we get into the other thing that i mentioned uh listener sent me this the other day and it's entitled listener comment on the church uh covid garbage uh where to go to get baptized Kind of a a lot of little different subjects addressed here. He said, brother, I live in Scotland. I don't want to give my life story, so I'll try to keep it short. Became a believer after being an atheist and evolution brainwashed at 18. Um, I guess he got saved 11 years ago. Lots of ups and downs, but um, always known God's truth and that Christ is Lord. And we will face him on Judgment Day. Recently, I got out of the alcoholism pit and back on the good path. Um, preaching to the lost and seeking a biblical church. In Scotland, we are a lost nation, extremely corrupt, street preachers regularly arrested. The churches I've been attending, I feel the love of the Lord, but they worship the mask mandates, the vaccine stuff. I brought a new believer to church on Sunday, first time taking part in communion, and they canceled the service because two people tested positive for COVID. Oh, how pathetic. Uh, And he he goes on to say, the apostles were meeting under threats of death. And we can't hold a service because of a bad cold that's going about. Yeah. I'm just disheartened, brother. Where do I go? I want to be in a biblical church. But they're all under the mask mandates and advocating the vax. I feel like there's not one church or pastor in my country that's speaking against all this. Which is just so incomprehensible to me. I mean, we've had. Not even, you know, two years and four months of this, whatever it's been. And you would think if the churches were hearing from the Holy Spirit that lives inside a born-again Christian, why are there such an infinitesimal amount of churches going against this worldwide? infinitesimal if you look at the sheer number i I just is it just second thessalonians chapter two god will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie is it the falling away of second thessalonians chapter two I, i guess the apostasy i mean it was bad enough before And again i bold it back to the when you yoke your church up with the government the in america it's 501c3 there's other um classifications but that's the main one 501c3 corporate status for your church you're yoking you go to the state to get your right to exist as a church okay (laughs) where's their bible for that where's their bible for denominations i see the bible talking against it in romans Where's the Bible for going to the state to get a preaching license? There's none of that. That would have been like absolute, if you go back to like Jesus and the apostles and afterward, that would have been like absolute heresy to even think about going to the state to get your preaching license so you could talk about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you need a preaching license to talk about Jesus. I'm just saying, in order to be recognized as a real minister, preacher, that can marry people, you've got to go to the state. By the power invested in me, by the state of North Carolina. Not God, North Carolina. I now pronounce you man and wife. That, that's an example. I I just praise God I don't have any, any of these entanglements. Because I know that it has to affect you you're spiritually because there's this is a great example there's like this infinitesimal amount of churches worldwide that will say anything and we're listen i'm going to get into it today this whole thing with covid19 it's been put a little bit on the back burner but there's been reasons that's done they're ready for the next thing the next new shiny thing for us to get our eyes fixated on but the deaths just keep there we're gonna you're gonna see the deaths are just gonna keep ramping up and ramping up there and you're not gonna hear anything about it on the news they're gonna they're just like the the mainstream prostitute horror media was 100 complicit in shoving this lie down everyone's throat worldwide essentially they're gonna be complicit in the cover-up because they're of their father the devil and of his lust and of his works they will do And he was a liar from the beginning. And that's what the mainstream news is designed to do. Lie to you over and over and over again. That's why they're there. That's why they're yoked up with the medical, uh, pharma medical cartels and the government. They're all complicit on it. And this is all about bringing us into the new world order. It's all about that, the um, fourth industrial revolution, as Klaus Schwab talks about, bringing us into that. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to go into that more in depth, but yeah, I I feel you. He says, I feel there's not one church or pastor in my country that's speaking against all this. Then he says, Long shot, but do you know anywhere in Scotland near Glasgow that's against this? Churches, pastors. I want to be under a pastor in the flock and be baptized. I'm just lost with all this right now. I have friends and new believers. I want to bring to a good church so that they can grow and get closer to him. Sorry for all the unloading on all this. Uh, but I respect and love your teaching so much. God has blessed you. And any word you can give me or advice, I appreciate so much. In Jesus' name, thank you, brother. Keep going. Yeah, that's In all humility, that's so nice. God bless you. Thank you. Um, not worthy of those comments. But um, my reply to this is um, John sorry this is and this has been the case since I've been in ministry (laughs) and it gets why I got kicked off a sermon audio in essence because I was rubbing too many of the 501c3 pastors the wrong way it it had to happen I mean most of them are if they're in sermon audio they're they've got their own church they've got their own 501c3 corporate status and they're not going to receive this very well and they're and they're all taught that in seminaries you know so i said this is one of the most frequent questions i get and one that i have no idea how to answer other than prayer and fasting for god to open those doors and i said i don't have any kind of network every time in the past i have even tried to put together people online like online forums even the forums get corrupted with bad doctrine. Cause you have to think, I mean, I know I've been targeted by witches and warlocks and they they've tried to astro- and kill me and Taylor and over and over and over again over the years. I've told the stories. I, I mean I've got confirmation from the witches trying to do it. Ski and Jasmine, black eyed witch. So obviously if i were to offer a forum that is going to be targeted now i'm not saying god's not big enough to you know protect it but it's just been a very dicey thing in the past Um, which is why i stopped doing it because i don't want to be responsible if i have a forum up there and it gets corrupted with bad doctrine started leading people astray and it's and i've got my stamp of approval on it then now I'm responsible for, before God. So I would rather just not do it at all. And I, it would take a team of people to police all that. Like if I had social media presence, Facebook and Instagram, which I haven't, I've never had, um, for a lot of obvious reasons, the data mining aspect of it and the big brother aspect of it and so much of the stuff I've preached against, I really feel like I'd be a hypocrite. But the forums I did try in the beginning and they always got corrupted and they always turned into a place where people were being, ended up being led astray, at least in one. I'm not saying everybody up there was bad or anything. I'm just saying it doesn't take, what is it, like that expression, you know, one bad apple can spoil the whole barrel type of thing. And I didn't want to stand before God and say, oh, well, why did you keep these forums up? They were just messing people up. So I I said to him, I said, the best thing to do is pray and fast regarding this specific issue. That's the only thing I can really tell people. Because that's the most, like if you just devote prayer and fasting to this specific issue. God can open the doors no man can shut and shut the doors no man can open. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's what the Bible says. So i just put it in god's hands on that i said regarding the subject of baptism see below i I did it it's not a very long teaching it's just the importance of baptism it's um from 2011 i give you the link there or you can just key in baptism in the uh, search box at contendingfortruth.com um but regarding questions that need need to be directed to a pastor i would recommend pastor john weaver and um I give his website here, he's on Sermon Audio, but he's not 501c3, and um, I give his, uh, let's see, his, um, the website, he's on Sermon Audio, there's a phone number, there's a mailing address, see, I'm not a pastor, you know, and again, I'm not, like, when I say this stuff about the seminaries, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of good stuff that you can learn in the seminary it's the leaven though it's the it's just a little bit of leaven that it takes to knead in to the whole lump of dough to make it rise a little leaven leaven at the whole lump and when jesus was asked about that he said the leaven of the pharisees and sadducees is their doctrine they could have been teaching 99 percent old testament truths and then commingling 1 bad doctrine And obviously that was the case. I don't know if it was one, two, three, I don't know what the percentage was, but it was probably getting pretty high. I mean, those are the only ones that I can really identify as Jesus calling them serpents and vipers. You know, overturning the money changers table in the temple, you know. The only time you really ever saw him get really angry was toward the religious Jews that were doing it under the guise of, oh, this is, what god wants you to do and they had interjected all kind of new heretical doctrines into their teachings leading people astray so anyway i give you that his contact information i give you my teaching on baptism here and then another response about this that i had saved from a pastor regarding this exact subject and i think this gives some clarity it's not very long he said um, there was a uh, a listener named Matt a long time ago emailed me about this. This is from 2011, and the regarding baptism and um, this pastor responded to him that I referred him to, and I said I know Baptist preachers from whom I have great respect who teach that a man administering the ordinance of baptism must have proper authority to do so, and the authority is successfully conferred upon him at ordination. And he gives some Bible verses to where they get that from. They refer to baptism administered by non-Baptists and those without proper authority as alien immersion. Now, he's coming at this from a Baptist standpoint, so I just wanted to clarify that. The problem is there is not very clear biblical authority for this position. In Paul's ministry, he baptized only a very few. See 1 Corinthians 14. His helpers did the baptizing, as did Jesus' disciples. In general, I believe that baptism is to be a public statement of faith made before the church, a church ordinance to be done in the church, and is generally the door of entry into a local church. He gives more Bible verses to confirm what he's saying. But Philip's baptism of the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8 appears to be an example of one baptism outside the church, There are no examples of women baptizing anyone in scripture. I believe that is because women cannot be qualified to be an elder or a deacon or to teach other men, which is biblical. And I've done a whole teaching on that. Just key in women in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. It's not chauvinistic. I'm just saying it's what the Bible says. Uh, A woman is also not qualified to administer. Because of these reasons, a woman is not also qualified to administer the ordinance of baptism. I would not want to be baptized by anyone who is not an elder or deacon qualified which again that can be very very hard you know at this point to find. I do not believe that baptisms administered by the, in the, in the 501c3 church are necessarily null or void. However, if you were not truly saved when you were baptized, that is a good reason to be rebaptized. I totally agree. But if that is the case then I think you'll want to find the closest non 501c3 church to become a member even if it's a long distance member and then get rebaptized in that church. Again, none of this is easy, I'm telling you. But hopefully, it offers you a little more clarity. And then listen to my teaching on baptism that I give. And if you have more questions, I would reach out to Pastor Weaver for any kind of pastoral question. Because remember, I'm just a watchman. I, I'm I'm a chiropractor. I specialize in clinical nutritional supplementation protocols. Done that probably almost before I was a chiropractor i'm a watchman but i'm not a pastor or anything like that okay so um all right so we're really going to radically switch gears (laughs) and um saw this the other day and i I know this is a little bit dated this information but because of what jesus said as in the days of noe or noah so shall be in the days of the coming of the son of man um you go back to that the days of noah genesis 6 essentially uh, which is the quintessential essence of those days and the biggest thing that was going on is the sons of god saw the daughters of men that they were fair they took them wives all that they chose and bore them giants essentially the nephilim the fallen ones and are giants something that we should be on the lookout if jesus said as it was in the days of noah so shall it be in the days of the coming of the son of man well we're in the days of the coming of the son of man whether you're pre-trib post-trib mid-trib pre-route whatever your position is we're still in those days we're right like okay so we're at like 11 and a half on the grand clock of time and it's getting ready to hit midnight we're, we're we're in those days i mean you look at all the things going on right now it we're rapidly they are, the, the satanic system of of the earth is rapidly trying to get us in a position where the antichrist and false prophet can make their big debut so that ultimately people will have to choose if they're going to receive the mark of the beast we, we've got the technology's all in place all the things leading up, i mean this is a whole fourth industrial revolution thing going from the old world order and the new world order all of that's there that wasn't the case 100 years ago that wasn't the case 50 years ago it wasn't the case even i'd say 20 years ago was it not not like it is now so i think that this subject of giants is something that is something that we should look at from time to time at least so this is the kandahar giant cover-up debate did the u.s military kill a real giant in in the afghanistan cave
1: Years ago, well-known Nephilim expert Steve Quayle broke a story about a giant that was killed in Afghanistan. He had an interview with the pilot that flew the giant's body out on a C-130 aircraft. The story was covered on the net and on Coast to Coast AM with popular radio host George Norrie.
2: Back in December of 2008, L.A. Steve Quayle was on the program as he's been so often, and he brought us that pilot anonymous. So that's
0: George Norrie talking to L.A. Marzuli. Um, and you're going to hear there's all these different people that are associated with this on just this one event and they're all, they all come off extremely credible and extremely like, listen, I'm not here to be, they all have their face blurred and there, a lot of them have their voice. I mean, it's not like they're trying to get rich off this or something. This is something that, uh, but uh, so many people are in the military. were aware of this pilot
2: did not want his name disclosed, and he talked about this very bizarre story of how he flew this dead giant out to some base in Ohio. Describe exactly what you saw.
3: Well, when we came up, uh, basically came outside, uh, we had a normal 463L uh, pilot loaded down with uh,
4: what they told us was a giant.
1: On one of those interviews, he spoke with a caller who was in Special Forces in Afghanistan back in 2002. After the show, they talked for a long time, and it became clear that this was one of the men that actually shot and killed the giant. Then later, LA happened to meet another Special Forces soldier who could confirm these stories. Neither of these men wished to reveal their identity. We filmed them in remote locations because of their military backgrounds and the sensitive nature of what they're revealing. But both felt it was imperative to finally
0: tell the truth. Witness number one, he was actually involved in the
5: fire You firefight. were in Afghanistan in 2002, and you were called into a very remote
0: section of Afghanistan because a patrol... So again, just so you know, that's L.A. Morzuli interviewing this gentleman. Had basically gone missing.
5: Exactly. Okay. He's he's exactly around. Around. For miles.
6: I
0: apologize, the, the audio is not the greatest, and his voice is being distorted because he doesn't want anybody to, um, you know know who he is i'm just gonna back it up just a hair it's called he calls himself mr k a contract operator
5: afghanistan because a patrol um had basically gone missing exactly okay so
6: we flew in about four clicks kilometers we're hiking through the same now
0: again you probably missed that but they they this was the second team that was going there because one of their patrols and this is in the mountains of afghanistan had already went totally missing and i'm talking radio silent missing they have no idea so they send in another patrol to try to find the first patrol and it's in a very very remote part of afghanistan when
6: they were supposed to make one of their and before we left, there was all kinds of what happened with they ambush. That was even odd because at point of ambush, you'd call for maybe close air support to something, okay? There was no calls made, just off the, off the bridge. So we're coming down a, a mountainside, and there was a nice, nice path, a goat path. As we bent around this corner, you could
0: see this opening of the cave. There was a cave. So they came around a mountainside, and there was this big cave opening. And uh, they, they, like I said, he said before, they were, it, normally, even if you're ambushed, you're going to call in something. And they, what, whatever happened to this team, um, there wasn't any time to call in anything. And... Um, we're coming around and then i see there's a lot of rocks which is another oddity and then
6: bone matter when i'm not close enough to identify what kind of bones but i did see something i knew was a piece of our communication equipment. so instantly we're thinking ambush maybe animal you know could be anything There was enough room in front of this cave, but it had a sheer drop-off. But there was enough room that we actually got into a decent dispersal in case of ambush.
5: You see something coming out of the cave, and it's moving with a speed and agility that catches you off guard. Everybody. Everybody. And he comes out.
0: So it shows a giant coming out of the cave, and he's got a a shield and a a pike like a it's more not like a uh it's like a big wooden piece of wood i believe um like a spear but it's just like uh, i think all wooden it
6: was a man at
0: least 12 to 15 feet in height so he was 12 to 15 feet in height
6: this is a monster red beard and his hair was long past the shoulder, a scarlet red, and Dan runs at him starts shooting and broke all of us into the reality, because it was so, so now, real. now your training is kicking. Oh yeah, okay. muscle memory, complete muscle memory. While Dan is moving at him, another bro of mine laying down fire and I start firing.
0: he skewers Dan he's got Dan on a pike Dan's essentially you know and he's got moments to live essentially and they're firing at him while he skewered Dan he and he, they, he said he moved with an agility and quickness that he I mean you have to understand he's 15 to up to 15 feet tall and he's moving with like agility they had never seen
6: he's now got him on this pike he went through he's still got it and he's coming after more we all just clicked in i don't know what it was but i remember we're all like shoot him in the face shoot him in the face our weapons components were in four we had 308s
0: okay so you had barrett 50s 50 cal 308s which is a larger caliber and then just your standard probably 223 round um I know from what I've heard from other reports that a fifty—if you want to kill one—it takes a fifty-cal headshot, and preferably with a copper bullet. Copper is something that um, they have a very hard time with, for one reason or another. That metal, and they—they they actually make fifty-cal copper rounds, but the problem is, is if it's moving like you know, a jackrabbit or whatever it's pretty tough to get an accurate headshot unless you've got like a 50 cal, like rail gun or something, machine gun type thing Um, so they just started shooting and and you you hear this every time on, on, on any of these missions where they go after these giants, they always say shoot the head don't bother, it takes a headshot to take them out
6: this is sounding longer than it took we're talking 30 seconds and he's taking multiple hits, and it's still moving.
2: He talked about this giant being 1100 pounds, anywheres from 10 to 15 feet long, uh, and it was killed. It was uh, apparently shot uh, somewhere in a cave in Afghanistan, uh, And uh, but before it was shot, it lunged at uh, several of our troops, our soldiers, and may have even gorged somebody. Uh, it was just a bizarre, bizarre story. And it just sounds like the Nephilim from the Bible, doesn't well, it? I, that's why we're so fascinated
0: by this. Witness two, soldier in Afghanistan, mostly secondhand testimony, but still a confirmation of the battle. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, the thing is established
5: why if people have a right to know about this stuff i mean if, if there are 15 footers or 18 footers ro- roaming the planet and our military has brought them down i mean we have a right as american citizens i mean this isn't classified military stuff this is something that we need to know and it points back to the biblical prophetic narrative what are your thoughts on
7: that i think uh, here's, here's my personal opinion my personal opinion is if it points that the bible is accurate they don't want it uh, if it goes against our Iranian revolution, it's not to be spoken of.
5: So you're out in the boonies running around looking for high value targets?
7: Correct. Okay. And we're doing those operations, and uh, as we're getting into firefights, we're getting into different uh, scrimmages, if you want to put it that way. We would come back to the base, and we started hearing this rumor about a unit that killed uh, this, what they started calling this really tall person. At first, I didn't think anything of it. Then come to find out that the uh person that they killed actually was three times the size of a man had extra digits on their hand and digits on their feet and had red hair and uh, a special unit had come in and wanted this uh target Well, we'd heard that they were had killed this thing inside a cave or the mouth of a cave and uh, it was common knowledge among the military to hear this And
5: when you say common knowledge what do you mean? I mean, how does that
7: work? Years later, to come to find out when I had returned from Afghanistan and had met other uh, military members that had not been there in the operations with me, uh, if you would bring up the giant of Kandahar, they knew about it. When you first hear you thinking like, this is, uh, this has got to be a joke. This has got to be a hoax. And then after things go down a certain way and you keep hearing it, you start to realize it's, it's not a joke. They kept telling us to keep our, our weapons high. Which means normally it's to the chest, one of the head, but they kept telling us to put it towards the, a man's head and put it higher. So we would question, why do they want us to shoot higher than a man's That's head? That's bizarre. So it is.
5: Our contact said 2002 is when they had they shot this this 15-footer or taller, and you're now in 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 this you know in the service around 2005. This word has gotten out, and what I find interesting here too is that. If you're going to create a hoax, I get that, but you've got details. Six fingers, red hair, double rows of teeth, six digits on the toes, and of course that brings it right back into what we hear about in the biblical prophetic narrative, specifically the Nephilim. Your thoughts?
7: I, I agree. Uh, I will tell you that uh, when I was doing my time in the service, and the stuff I saw, some of it I couldn't uh, explain like lights in the sky, firefights like orbs or uh, lights be the size of a, a softball that looked that size looking up in the sky but making weird noises. Going back to Afghanistan, we would hear these things, we would hear the locals talk about rumors of these giants.
5: What would the locals say? How would they talk about it?
7: They say that they lived in the caves and they would eat people and uh... They were cannibals. They were cannibals. And we at the time chalked it up to our United States as Bigfoot. We realized that every culture had some kind of folklore, but to actually all of a sudden hear that a military unit had killed something...
2: And and you have to assume that the giant is not alone, that the giant is not the only being living on this planet. There's got to be a whole school of them somewhere. Uh, You know, maybe he's got a female uh, mate, maybe he's got children, who knows? unfortunate that uh, he had to attack our soldiers rather than uh, be somewhat peaceful but uh, i guess that comes with the uh, with the territory dan was dead okay and uh why is a good man
6: you know, probably one of the best men i know now dead before i'd left they were already starting what they call a nine line which is a medevac request they're sending out a medevac request then all of a sudden it's not a medevac request all of a sudden we had a helicopter show up because, like I told you, it was a large precipice and a sheer drop. So the helicopter just came up from the drop. They had dropped netting, which is like uh, cargo netting. It's like squares. We were told we had to bundle him up and we get another bigger helicopter. But it's almost like a jolly green giant used to look back in the day that could get, you know, through this area because the mountains, you got to remember, Chinooks could only go in certain places because they had enough lift. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got him on there, the thing was too big. We couldn't move it. It smelled worse than a skunk. The corpse that's been around for a while. Really fell. Oh, it was like a combination because of the, how do you put that, the persistence of a skunk smell. Once the helicopter came in, dropped its little hook, and off he goes. The communication was sent out.
2: We had a very large possible human creature. There you are in the hills of Afghanistan. Uh, how many troop members are you with? We had six on my crew, and when we say hills of
3: Afghanistan, uh, for
2: us, we did not
3: fly into the wilderness. We actually flew into a base. I guess this thing was transloaded out of the uh, mountains by AC-47. What I could see that it did have the six fingers. I remember taking my foot up and placing it up next to its foot and it was extremely large. We estimated at about 12 feet, give or take. Uh, What I can tell you is the weight of the thing basically it was Approximately 1,500 pounds while it was getting on the aircraft. Now, if you take away the pallet weight and all the rigging that we had to uh, hold this thing down, we figured it was around uh, 1,100 pounds. Of
6: course we're upset. That's a deal okay? We lost a very good guy. But add to that, <clears throat> you're discussing something that even in our after-action report, they're saying rewrite it and we had to rewrite it to one
5: how, how many fingers six
6: six and the nails were weird because if you see somebody that ever has uh, I don't know what it's called but it's, like a yeah, fungus on fungus the on the nails yeah. how they get pointy and they're like
3: gnarly that's what they look like back in 2005 I was actually stationed or deployed to qatar it was a completely normal mission for us we were not alerted for anything abnormal it was in the middle of the day Uh, i remember uh, coming into a base in afghanistan called bagram back in those days it was pretty austere it was an old russian air base that we were using Um, it's basically built in a bowl in the mountains where you have to stay high right up in the last minute and then you basically come screaming back down to to land uh the area to the side of it was called the valley of death because during uh, the soviet days with the uh mujahideen they had fired their rockets into a lot of the uh, helicopters so you could see all kinds of uh, wrecks and stuff in the valley below which for the most part i didn't pay attention to because i was a little busy getting the airplane on the ground safely uh we landed and uh basically was told to taxi to the very end of the tarmac and, and like i said it was middle of the day very hot i remember that We opened the doors and unloaded the equipment that we had brought in. Uh, And then we were met at the aircraft by uh, what we later on called the babysitters. But uh, they kind of introduced themselves and said, hey, no cameras, uh, nobody's taking pictures here. We're uh, moving some high value stuff. Uh, When the load got there, uh, we're very, of course, curious to see what it was, because that's just the way you are when you're told that you're not allowed to have uh, a camera. Uh, They say this thing had been dead for maybe a day or two, uh, but it stunk. And when I say stunk, I've smelled dead things before, but this had a more of a, I want to say a musky stink, kind of a, not really a decay decay, but more of a... If somebody hadn't taken a shower in like 10 years type of a musty uh musky stink is all i can tell you and it was basically a dead guy and this guy was extremely large and when i say large uh our pallets are basically if i remember correctly about nine by 12 feet or so this guy was laying in a fetal position on the pallet, uh, so he and he filled the pallet. Uh, we estimated his size at approximately 12 to 10 feet tall. Uh, I did see his skin color. I was expecting somebody of more Arabic descent, uh, being in Afghanistan and all. I know he was dead, but he was very pale, very white. Another thing that uh, us and the rest of the crew did was we took our feet, we, he was in a field of position so you could take your feet and put it kind of you could see where his feet were there And they were they were wrapped up. He did not have shoes on but he had like uh, Looked like he was wrapping them in some kind of a Canvas type stuff, but we were sticking our feet up next to his feet and his feet were extremely big We know that the the standard weight on one of those pallets is uh, about 1500 pounds And I do remember that the loadmaster did the weights and it was around 1100 pound guy the pallet sits on dunnage, you know what dunnage is? It's uh, basically like railroad ties so that you can get a forklift underneath it and pick it up. So it was on dunnage and basic dunnage is like maybe a four by four. And then the pallet is, say yay thick. It's actually aluminum and balsa wood. And uh, this guy, I mean, laying down was very, very wide i mean and he was like i said he's in a fetal position and you go up and just you hit it and of course he's under a tarp and all that i understand that but he was one dense he was a dense guy uh we questioned the babysitters of hey where'd you get this guy and uh, some of the army guys there with him uh relayed to us that uh this guy had i guess been living up in the mountains uh next to a village where the villagers basically treated him like a god. I did infer that they were uh, making sacrifices to this guy because they said he was, they found bones of people. The giant supposedly, like I said I was not there, supposedly killed the first team that they came across. He was extremely big and fast and agile for a guy that size. They set up another team and when the second team went in to get him, supposedly he had already started to basically eat on the team that, uh, that had been killed the first time. They then grabbed a helicopter, and the helicopter brought him down where we picked him up. After we loaded the giant, it was just a standard, uh, standard mission. Back we took him all the way back to uh, Al Udeid in Qatar, where he was transloaded onto a another airplane. I believe it was a C-17. Uh, I was done with my mission then. I got away from it. I was done. I did ask some questions later of you know where it might have gone and as a grapevine goes it was probably taken back to the united states and the words i heard were right pat but again i don't know several years after my uh, deployments to afghanistan something very strange happened to me um that is somewhat related to this i was uh, basically tdy to kirtland air force base which is out in albuquerque uh, i was out with my jag at the time and there was a uh, navajo native american uh, sitting Basically, in the restaurant that we're in, it was also a bar. It was actually Kelly's, uh, Kelly's Brew Pub. And uh, this Native American guy, out of nowhere, he was talking to us, very friendly guy. And here's where it gets very strange. He started talking about, did I know that there were giants out in the Sandia Mountains? And he said, they're out there in the mountains still, and the earth had swallowed them up. And he goes, watch out. He says, someday they're going to come back. They're going to come back. Wow. I then uh, took him aside and said, Which hey.
0: again, would... You know as it was in the days of noah and i i just i really believe there, there's going to come a day when this is going to i think that everything that goes bump in the night a lot of the creatures the cryptozoological stuff um there's going to come a day when most likely it's going to be all out in the open and i don't want my listeners to not be prepared for that eventuality as a matter of fact i've
3: seen these things they're real i at least i think i've seen these things uh and i basically conveyed to him the story he just took it in stride and said yes they're real they're absolutely real and he said something like if i remember correctly like the earth had swallowed them up but soon the earth will spit them back out and soon he said soon they're coming back
0: genesis 6 4. there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of god saw came when the sons of god came into the daughters of men and they bear them children of them the same became men which were of old men of renown. Okay, so. And that's basically the the, the interview there. Okay, so then the next report again, shifting gears uh, Leinsteins and Wonders with a question mark UFOs helping Ukrainians in war as an answer to prayer? So this uh, now this The video is from Little Light Studios. Little Light. Like, let your little light shine for Christ. They're Seventh-day Adventists. And it's hard to find that out. They are so much like, um, they're the most subtle, slithery snakes that there are. The Seventh-day Adventists, regarding how they promote themselves. And how they will never come out and tell you they're Seventh-day Adventists up front. No, 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 no. They've got to try to get their foot in the door. They've got to try to gain your trust. And then they go in for the kill. So this is a a report from them. It's only a a minute and 40 something here. And they're reporting from uh, Christian Broadcasting News. They're they're playing different clips here. A pillar of fire at night and confused Russian troops. It has some asking, are Ukrainians receiving heavenly help? Okay, so February... In February 22, no, February of 2022, Christian Broadcasting Network reported strange UFO events in the Ukraine.
6: There's some miracle happened. It looked like some spaceship, like there was like an attack. That's so a
0: Ukrainian guy they're interviewing. He says there's some miracle happened and there's some spaceship. Spaceship. The, the officials claim the UFOs were helping win the war against the Russian invaders.
4: It, it was like a UFO or something. We've never seen anything like it. Just a brilliant flash of lightning in the sky just taking over the whole sky. There was some kind of a lightning was starting shooting from
6: the sky. And, and like, sparks were going, were, like, spreading everywhere.
0: So the lightning was coming from the UFOs and destroying, evidently, these, I think, Russian tanks. Um, and... Then it says the Bible says that in that in the end, there will be great signs and wonders in the sky.
1: A group of Russian tanks were supposedly wiped out by a mystery UFO attack after the families of trapped Ukrainian soldiers prayed to God
0: to offer their troops some help. Okay, so now we're associated with Jesus Christ, essentially God, the God of the Bible here. Father God, Jesus, whatever, you know, whoever you want to associate with um that's what it's being associated with though because they were praying and then this happened and you know could it be the beginning of the final deception and or is then they, God in, in them the morning anymore?
6: they discovered that the whole the whole machinery was destroyed yeah
4: it's it's bizarre and then the next morning they woke up and they said all the uh, equipment from the russians was destroyed
0: So then it goes on to say, check out these two documentaries about this soon coming crisis that is to break upon the world. UFO attacks on Russian tanks, if only.
4: Although in this case, God is real and UFOs are real, as the Pentagon has confirmed.
0: Okay, so it has these two documentaries. So this is how they get their foot in the door. And one of them is called Starfall, the strange connections between Christians and UFOs. And it's kind of funny because a Seventh-day Adventist is not a Christian. But they want to. They don't want you to know they're Seventh-day Adventist until later down the road. Uh, they're going to do nothing in their ministry, typically, to indicate that up front. Uh, that Walter Vaith guy of Amazing Discoveries, I believe, he's much along these same lines. They're very, very slick. They spend a ton of money, you know, to do all of this. The other... Um, video is aliens and ufos and bible prophecy disclosed deceiving the world okay so i'm like okay that looked pretty good and i didn't know this was seven day adventist i had no idea at this point so i I click on these documentaries or whatever taylor just let me know that she had a friend at one time that um said you know i'm a christian but then what'll start happening is I'm just not a Christian that um, worships on Sunday. And then as things came out more and more, all these other weird, strange details of how a seventh day Adventist has to live would come out and pop up. And again, they're trained to call themselves Christians. It's, it's a trained really deception from the very beginning. Why, if you were, if you were a true religion of God, why? And, and, why wouldn't you identify as seventh day adventists we're we're the true we're the true religion right there i mean there's only like 20,000 different pseudo christian religions on planet earth i'm not, that's not an exaggeration you look at how many actual weird denominations some some not so weird some really weird um they would be one of them and all of them think it, it's it's so ironic they all think evidently that they're the only ones out of the 20,000 or however many Maybe it's up to 30,000 now. I don't know. They're the only ones. They're so special. They're the only ones that have it all figured out. And everyone else is deceived and probably all going to hellfire because they're not a Seventh day Adventist or they're not a Mormon or they're not. What arrogance and pride to think that. I just call myself a born again Bible believing Christian. That's it. I'm a watchman. That's it. I don't want to glory in anything like, oh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, or I'm this, or I'm that, and therefore I'm better. Because that is where pride comes in. Denominations, in general, can be a very prideful thing. Well, I'm a, I was an independent, fundamental, King James-only Baptist. You talk about some pride. I'm not saying with everybody, but, whoo, man. Only The Bible says, only by pride come of contention. And I would go to these conferences. Sometimes I was a speaker there. (laughs) And when I was, well, at least the last one I did in um, Okeechobee, Florida, Um, wow, wow was it amazing how I was double, triple, quadruple teamed by the other pastors, because they didn't like my message. (laughs) Because I talked against the medical pharma cartels and most of them were all on multiple meds, I think. (laughs) Oh man, what they did to me there! And when I left there, I just was like, I am done. I've seen enough. I, I I get it. I understand. And these were pastors doing this. And I I don't think I could have acted much more Christian, even though what they were doing to me was extremely unChristian. I I, I think I acted and I asked the Lord. I'm like, what do you want me to do, Lord? And all I could all i got in my head was just take it let them let them just take their shots at you over and over and i it was It was a presentation i believe on i talked a little bit about avian flu but a lot of it was on the medical pharma cartels and stuff probably should have known that was coming um and it's not like they could refute me all they could do is attack me you know it's very very weird but i've but again that's a lot of that is based out of pride like, well, bless God, I'm going to take all my meds. And you ain't going to, You, what are you? You're some kind of chiropractor. You're not a real doctor. What do you know? Don't you know that, that you can drug yourself into good health, boy? Don't you know that? No, I could have swore there's no possible way to drug yourself into good health. And that all drugs are toxic and they all have side effects and they're all very hard on the liver, typically. And that all drugs have side effects that you have to take more medications for to cover up those side effects. And it's the medical pharma cartel profit model that was started back with Rockefeller that we just talked about last week. No, that's what I know, Pastor. And that's reality. So instead of refuting me, which you cannot do, you're going to attack me. A lot of this is rooted in pride. And I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything. and I've never struggled with pride. I'm not saying that. Um, anyway, I really got off on a tangent there, but I just think that if a seven day Adventist is so proud of their thing, they should just come out right up front. We are the seventh day Adventists and we're here to help you, but they don't do that. They don't ever do that. They're very subtle. And so was Satan in the Garden of Eden. He was the most subtle beast of the field. And man, these are some subtle things. The first one, this Aliens and UFO Bible Prophecy Disclosed, Deceiving the World, Little Light Studios documentary, Little Light. Let your little light shine. This 35 minute documentary exposes the truth behind the UFO agenda that is being pushed by the mainstream media so hard right now. And again, this is very, very similar to what I've covered in my multiple alien, disclosure, deception, mega studies. Just key in, alien mega you'll find them i've done several so i when i saw this and i saw well it was done i'm like man these guys are they really got their their stuff together here i guess um it says we're being set up for the last grand deception that will seduce millions in these latter days and isn't it ironic that they themselves are part of that grand deception that will seduce many in the latter days and yet they act like no we're not part of that look over here this is the and a lot of what they're, they're they say in these documentaries is truth we show you the different worldviews on the subject and let the viewer weigh the evidence for themselves Please share this vital information with all your families and friends so they will have a fair chance to make an form because they want to get as many converts as possible. And this is how they get their foot in the door. The next one is called Starfall, the strange connection between Christians and UFOs. I started watching these, and here's the thing with, with Seventh-day Adventist things. And this is true with Walter Vase and, and the other ones. There's always something, for me... That is off from the very moment I almost turn the thing on. There's something off about it. And I believe it's because the Holy Spirit lives inside me and I'm, he's warning me. He's gently tugging at me saying there's something wrong here. There's something wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's real slick. It's real good as far as how they're present. But then you could just tell, Whoa, why are you bringing that up? What does this have to, and I, 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 to be honest, I didn't want to waste my time watching both of them all, but I watched enough to realize, oh, okay, they're, they're really, they're kind of, they're, they're getting you to doubt your faith in the Bible is, and, and get, and what it is, is they want you to doubt your faith in the Bible so they can present you their version of the Bible. This is exactly what the Jehovah Witness guy, when I was in, um, uh, when I first started as a chiropractor, I was a little baby Christian. This guy came in, he was one of my patients, and, um, I don't know, he's probably in his 50s, oh, he was so messed up, he was on Pregnizone. With that, that drug will just destroy you, and I had a lot of compassion, it was real nice, he was always offering to do stuff for me, you know, oh, bring me your computer, I specialize in, you know, whatever, and, and so i finally kind of did i let him do something on the computer and he says all i ask is that you bring your bible to my house and we'll do a bible study and i reluctantly went and i went there and here's another thing you're on their turf you're you have to understand he's he's in a house full of devils and demons he himself is full of devil and demons and if they could get you on their on their own home turf This is why I'm saying be careful where you go to church because the Bible says um, while they promise them liberty, these are these false, basically anybody trying to deceive you, but particularly pastors or people of a religious ilk, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. And it's real easy to be overcome when you go and you plant yourself, your physical body in that church. It's very easy. You you could go in there thinking, "Oh man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall for anything they're gonna do." And then all of a sudden, I had doubts when I walked out of there that night. I had a lot of doubts, and um, you could hear probably if you listen to my Jehovah Witness one. I think the testimony was more fresh in my mind. He he really got me rattled. And now you have to say too. I was a baby Christian. I just got saved. I mean, I, I wasn't any. I probably brought my Living Bible over there. I mean, you know, they basically cuss in the Living Bible. is really bad, bad version. And um, I I was rattled. I really was for mm, I, I don't know, probably a good week. So Taylor was bringing up to me. She's remembers some more stuff about um her friend and how polished that the people her other friends that were seven-day adventists i believe you meet her parents how polished they were they were and also they were at least in this group they were very affluent very they had money they had their own schools they're very polished they don't cuss they don't drink they don't i don't believe they smoke um they don't they, they go against all these vices Yeah, i believe they're all vegetarian they say that's biblical now i've done a whole teaching on that vegetarianism if you want to avail yourself to that and no it's it's not biblical i'm not saying you can't do it if you want to but um you know that's a conviction between you and god i don't think it should be a religious thing you know to bring that into it but they're very good and and they're very good at not destroying they're witness being perceived. They don't cuss, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't, um, you know, and then they, they're they they're like, well, it kind of gets you questioned if you hang around somebody like that, well, am I even? But see, another thing you're not seeing is all the demons at play here, trying to get into your head, you know, which, you know, it happens. And when you're around these types of people, that's what will happen. They're gonna try to get you to doubt your faith as a Christian and these types of things. That's why it's very dangerous to hang around these types of people. Um, Or invite them into your your home even. I'm not a real big advocate on inviting a Mormon or um, a Seventh-day Adventist or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying there wouldn't be exceptions, but they're taught the battleground that they should fight on. Mormons, Seventh Day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses—they're typically taught how to go in, and like a Jehovah Witness, for instance, oh, they're into all the stuff about Michael and stuff, and 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 they'll they'll say, well, what about this verse? So they'll go into some remote verse of of scripture and say, and okay, now go to this verse, and they'll, they're like, how does that make any sense? Does what does that mean with Michael? They always Michael the archangel. It seems like they always will play off these things. And it's like one little remote verse of scripture that they've isolated totally out of context. And they're getting you to totally doubt all your faith in Christianity, or at least in your version of Christianity. And get them to think, oh, well, maybe these guys do have the, the real truth. Maybe they're the only ones. I never had anybody point that out to me. That's how they work. They major on minors and minor on majors. They strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. That's how cults work. Most cults get started that way, where they'll take things out of context, and then they'll add to it. They'll add to all their extra revelatory prophetic, which is absolutely classic for not only Seventh-day Adventism, Seventh-day Adventists, but also Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. They add to scripture and the Bible says, if you add to scripture, you're going to add yourself the plagues in this book. And if you take away, t- you'll, you'll, uh, God will take away your part out of the book of life. It says that at the end of revelation, that's basically how the Bible ends. It's not something I want to do is add to and take away from scripture. That's why I'm not real big on. So you got to read this book and you got to read this book and you got to read this book. I, I barely have n- enough time to read the Bible. So I've always tried to concentrate on that. I'm not saying there's no good books out there. It's just <clears throat> you gotta be careful. So I go a little further and I start researching this more and I realize oh these are these are seventh-day Adventists, And there's a creep factor too with these videos. The guy, especially the, the video I watched, it's not sitting right in my spirit at all. There's something wrong with this. And then as I checked it, I'm like, oh, of course, because it's Seventh-day Adventist. It was so hard for me to find out, though. I had to do all these advanced keyword searches on, like, you know, to find out what, what religion are they. And then I finally figured it out. So they've got these websites, TV, and then schoolforprofits.tv See anything about Seventh-day Adventism? No. Nothing even on their own websites it's hard to find out half the time but their main channel on youtube it's called led and i'm just going to click on that right now but it's little light studios but it's this led so i go there and i'm like ah little light studios and then they have their brand new little light studios documentary disclosed 35 minute documentary it's all on ufos because see this is something that like i've done the reason i've done my mega studies on the alien disclosure and the whole deception surrounding that is because i realized this is probably going to be the absolute total literal backbone of the strong delusion that god said he was going to send in second thessalonians chapter two i realized that a long long time ago and i i believe the holy spirit was prompting me in that i mean what bigger grand deception could you have than that one we just got into it last week or the week before about, you know, they're going to come, they're going to come saying that, you know, we're, we're your creators. We're the ascended masters. Here's Jesus, same looking guy hanging in all your churches. We call him master Jesus or Esau, Sananda, Emmanuel. You know, he's one of us, one of our lesser ones, but he's going to straighten you out on doctrine Christians. We've sent him, you know, here's Buddha. He's going to straighten the Buddhists out. Here's Krishna. He's going to straight the Hindus out. Here's Imam Mahdi, he's gonna straighten all the Muslims out. Here's the Messiah, he's gonna straighten all the Jews out. There's gonna be different ascended masters. But they're all gonna basically point toward the Antichrist. So I see it going down. So I click click on their little light studios and they've got this little intro, it's only 28 seconds. I'm just gonna play it here. What's
4: up everybody, I'm Mikey. I'm Kendi. I'm Michelle. Keith, I'm Scotty, and we are led should
0: I, should I, Scotty, is that better for me, maybe? I don't know. Oh, wow, nice. so trendy, it's so neat, it's so hip, it's so in. Darkness. It's a show where we take a look at pop culture, movies, music, video games, you name it. We're gonna discuss and look behind the scenes of what's really going on and filter it through the Bible. Oh. Find us
7: on our YouTube channel, Little Light Studios.
0: what's not to like about that they're all so hip and trendy they all look so friendly they don't look like they're in a cult the devil's good at what he does guys he's been here a lot longer than we have so I'm, i'm i'm looking at their videos right now in their playlist first one this this just dropped two days ago inside secret societies exposed illuminati charmed by darkness next one uh maya malet death by satanic ritual i'm not who sure that is but, uh witchcraft something then the one i just played ufos help ukrainians in war as an answer to prayer these are all propaganda tools by the seventh day adventist church to get their hooks in you to get their foot in the door if the camel can get his head in the tent it's not too long before his whole body's in and this is what they're probably better at than any other cult i've ever seen the Mormons aren't this slick. The Jehovah witnesses aren't this slick. Seventh day Adventists are a whole other deal. Then witchcraft for kids, exposing the hidden, and I did a video on this, is that magic mixies where you have your little cauldron that you buy and you put all the stuff in and then smoke rises out and then you do this thing and it flips upside down and this little puppet comes out, this little stuffed animal and you think the cauldron made it? Yeah, I did a uh, thing on that and then the next one abortion providers are abortion providers are superheroes meaning we're going to expose that they're exposing it national abortion providers um appreciation day wow yeah so a lot of the same stuff that i've covered as like a watchman they're i mean they've got their budget i don't know who knows what it is i'm like one man band over here you know they, they we're talking serious money they got going into this stuff um then marvel not satan's Endgame about the marvel stuff um secrets of the avengers um how it's tied in with a lot of satanic um imagery and, and you know what i'd probably agree with most of what they're presenting here but they're just trying to get their foot in there, trying to get your trust so that they can get their hooks into you later then oscars 2020 reaction the shocking truth behind hollywood babylon then the dark origins of peter pan placing your child's eyes should never land Uh, anyway and then are you being entertained by demons channeling spirits um actors channeling spirits then lady gaga's dark secrets so all these are things a lot of stuff i would cover disney's first trans character but the reason I'm doing this is to give my listeners a heads up regarding these videos. And it's it's LED. You'll see LED in the right-hand corner of the screen, which, um... Not even... Oh, no, it's not Little Light Studios. LED. I'm not even sure what that stands for. But, um... I, want to be, I wanted you all be to, to be aware of this because it is a very subtle, subtle, they're good at what they do, and this is going to ensnare a lot of people, most likely, unfortunately, and something to pray against as well. Now, while we're on the subject, and I've never done a study on this, and I'm not going to say this is a study, but I'm just going to give you the information, and you can check most of it out for yourself. Seventh-day Adventist cult Sabbath keepers refuted. Here are... Ten different links, and I'm going to read you the links. Why Christians worshipped on the first day, which is Sunday. Now, I've done a whole teaching on this, okay, where we biblically easily prove this is the case. It's not up for debate. It's not like, oh, should we be uh, being Sabbath keepers? It's not even up for debate if you if you read the New Testament. Maybe if you were an actual bloodline Jew, you could say, okay, well, what about the, okay. If you want to go that route, you still, you're not going to get saved by keeping the Sabbath, okay? Uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. That's what the Bible says. His mercy, Jesus Christ's mercy. All right, anyway, next one. 21 reasons why the first day of the week, Sunday, is important to Christians. And they're all Bible okay then stunning new book utterly refutes sabbath keepers sabbatarians and the church of god splinter groups and the seventh day adventist church read now here for free there's a whole book on it you can read for free then stumper questions sabbatarians which are people that insist on keeping the sabbath don't like to be asked sabbatarians will be up all night unable to rest on the sabbath trying to solve truth problems then formal debates uh sabbath versus first day of the week you want to see a formal debate there's one Then the record of history, history proved Christians always met on the first day of the week, um, which was Sunday and not the Sabbath, right back to the apostolic age of A.D. 33. Then early Christians speak the historical record. Christians always worshiped on the first day of the week, Sunday. Then the example of Jesus and early Christians. Um, Then Ellen G. White, which is the um, founder of we're going to learn more about her in a second. Ellen G. White, the plagiarist. And you want to know more about her. We're going to get into that too, though. Then the controversy within the Seventh-day Adventist church. So there's 10 different links there. Then you have my teaching that, that I did back in um, 2007. Man, 15 years ago. Sabbath versus Sunday worship, part one and two. I'm going to read you my description of it. There is currently a huge emphasis on the, in the Messianic Jewish. So again, this isn't just Seventh-day Adventist. Okay, This is one of the things I've taken more heat for since I did this study than almost any other subject I've ever covered. There's currently huge emphasis in the Messianic Jewish, Hebrew Roots Movement, Christian Zionist, Seventh-day Adventist, and certain sects of the Pentecostal Movement to convince their followers that Sabbath-keeping is for them and it is of the utmost importance. Going so far as to say that the judgment that will fall on the U.S. and the world will primarily be because we have forsaken the Sabbath. (laughs) listen there's a lot of reasons god could judge america it's that's not one of them but it's funny because exodus 31 verses 16 and 17 says wherefore the children of israel meaning the bloodline children of israel at that time shall keep the sabbath to observe the sabbath throughout their generations For a perpetual covenant and this is why you can make a case if you're a real bloodline jew well okay what about this that's between you and god i'm talking about gentiles here okay and i'm not saying i don't even want to get into that debate i'm just saying it's clear that when the sabbath was given it was for the children of israel bloodline jews okay it is a sign between me meaning god and the children of israel forever That should end it right there. And it's not even emphasized in in the New Testament. The Jewish apostles did not emphasize it when they were speaking to the Gentiles. And I give you all the verses in this teaching. Justin Martyr's apology was written in Rome on the year 140 AD, which is well before the creation of the Roman Catholic Church in 318 AD. In chapter 67 of his first apology, entitled Weekly Worship of Christians, writing to the pagan emperor, Justin states... Quote, we bless the maker of all through his son Jesus Christ and through the Holy Ghost and on the day called Sunday, all who live in the cities or in the country gather together in one place. But Sunday is the day on which we hold our common assembly because it is the first day of God having wrought the change in darkness and matter made the world and Jesus Christ our Savior on the same day rose from the dead. This is just one of the many quotes from the early church and Bible verses we will be looking at that proof Sunday worship has been ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, my comment, I made a comment here. My word doc on exposing the Seventh-day Adventist and Ellen G. White is 74 pages. Okay. It's just too much material for me to possibly, I need an easily 20-part study I could do if I covered it all. So... I'm just giving you a little mini study today. Hopefully it it will be enough, but I give you a lot of resources if you want to go further. Now, here is, from what I could find at least, the most potent blasphemy of Seventh-day Adventist founder Ellen G. White regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the most potent one I could find. On page 481 of evidently her book or the book The Great Controversy, Mrs. Ellen G. White says, quote, when Christ, by virtue of his own blood, removes the sins of his people from the heavenly sanctuary at the close of his ministration, he will place them, meaning the sins of all of his people, he will place them upon Satan, who in execution of judgment must bear the final penalty. So our sins ultimately are not put upon the Lord Jesus Christ and nailed to the cross, ultimately our sins are going to be put upon satan who must who must bear the final penalty now i'm not saying it doesn't have a whole lot of hurt coming to him in the lake of fire but this is totally unbiblical we we did we did we there's no point in the redemptive process where satan bears our sins i mean it's the exact opposite what does the bible say first peter 2 23 and 24 who, when was reviled, talking about Jesus Christ, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges, judgeth righteously. Who, meaning this is Jesus Christ, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, meaning the cross, okay? so another way of saying the cross. Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross. That we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed the stripes of jesus christ you're healed so if if the seventh day adventist follower believes lng white in the above statement meaning satan is going to be the one that bears the, the 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 sins in the end they are damned to hell unless they repent i mean i you can't believe that and be saved is what i'm saying because that's that is an absolute cornerstone of foundation. That's that's the finished work of the cross. That that you know Jesus Christ bears our sins. Okay. Not not Satan. So let's let's go into this a little bit more. I'm just going to play mm, almost an 8-minute clip here. We're going to learn a little bit more about the Seventh-day Adventists and Ellen G. White and their insane insane cult. The quotes of Ellen G. White, which appear in this program, have been taken from official Seventh-day Adventist publications. Page numbers are in references to standard hardback editions. just getting ready to start here. The Spirit Behind the Church, Seventh-day Adventism.
1: Seventh-day Adventism today claims more than 9 million followers around the world. With its appealing emphasis on biblical prophecy, healthy dieting and education, the Seventh-day Adventist movement continues to grow at a remarkable rate. Their extraordinary expansion is all the more astounding when one considers its humble and obscure beginnings. Based around the teachings and philosophies of its 19th century founder, prophetess Ellen G. White, Seventh-day Adventism exhibits tremendous influence worldwide. Now, with thousands of churches located in more than 200 different countries, the organization's income exceeds $1.3 billion annually. Wow. In addition to its churches, Seventh-day Adventist holdings include a vast number of schools, bookstores, health food stores, television... Oh, yeah,
0: there's a guy in town here. That I was warned by the, the Christians that showed me around. They're like, we we don't go to that Health Food store. It's the big I think it's the biggest one. I've never been to it. Seventh day Adventist guy owns it. And you go in there, and most of the time I think he's gonna try to convert you if they can. Uh it can be a very unpleasant experience, even go. I, I wouldn't give them my money, especially knowing that you know they're openly, this is just literally a cult recruitment center. And he puts big some I, I don't know because I haven't got the paper here in so long, but he would put these big gigantic ads in the paper that would r- rant and rave about what but it was all about you know we're I'm the, we're the true religion and, and, and we have things figured out and you know trying to convert people was, was really what it was all about. I don't know if he's still going because I, I I've never been down there studios, universities, and medical facilities. I mean, you see, they're, they are a vast empire. They, you can understand why they're affluent, as Taylor observed firsthand. And they, they're, they're associated with a lot of the things, you know, like this.
1: Which is the world-famous Loma Linda University Medical Center in California. Many new converts are initially contacted through their well-publicized prophecy seminars. These seminars are usually advertised without the seventh day advert.
0: I'd really like to see the track record of all these prophecies. Because according to Deuteronomy 18, unless you get them right 100% of the time, you know, you're not of God. And you can't be leading people away from God according to Deuteronomy 13, which they do. So again, I'm, I'm always very, very leery of any prophetic yeah, if you're gonna confirm the Bible and tell us about probably what's gonna come, but when when you start date setting and stuff like this, which they did many, many times, you're gonna hear about that some, you know, I'm. <laughs> uh, that's uh, typically a very big red flag. ...name attached. People are
1: often unaware of the Adventist sponsorship. In addition, they use their highly touted five-day stop smoking classes and vegetarian cooking courses to proselytize yes. as well. The seventh day adventist also produce scores of high quality radio
0: and television specials each year in order to spread their message gospel style i mean here's another way they get you voice of prophecy family reunion concert okay well i'm not interested in that but it's got the southern gospel gospel style musical extravaganza so they're trying to ride in on the coattails in this case of southern gospels so that might be appealing to baptists or other people and they may I, I don't what about this voice of prophecy well it sounds christian i mean and wow they're gonna have gospel music there southern gospel i'm i like that well how many converts have they got just from doing that oh man i i lost my spot here
1: there's of high quality radio and television specials each year in order to spread their message and attract new members although considered by yeah, that many- loma
0: linda hospital evidently is one of them uh they're just showing all the different ways in slimy recruitment tactics that they use to be a mainstream
1: christian denomination seventh day adventism differs from evangelical christianity in a number of pivotal theological areas to determine the significance of these differences one must examine the teachings of the late seventh day adventist founder ellen g white Born on November 26, 1827 in Gorham, Maine, Ellen was hit in the head with a rock at the age of nine. She remained unconscious for three weeks, unable to attend school following the incident. Ellen's education ceased at the third grade level. Both her health and her emotions... She got a
0: third grade level education and she was in a coma for three weeks after getting hit in the head with a rock. And this is the woman that started this cult. ...remained fragile as she
1: grew older. David Snyder spent 22 years as an Adventist pastor. His discovery of a number of historical inconsistencies within Adventism led to his termination without a pension, just six months short of retirement.
4: Her maiden name was Ellen Gould Harmon. She was raised in a devout Methodist home. Her Methodist family came under the influence of William Miller, a powerful preacher. He taught that Christ would return first in 1843 and then on October 22nd, 1844.
0: You know how many times I've heard this? Christ's going to return this day, this day. It was going on back in the 1800s. I believe he's the one that started the Millerites, which is another cult, essentially. Well, she just got on that cult, and then she started her own cult. Hey, anybody could do it, pretty much. You know, you got enough demons and devils in you.
4: Supposedly, the Jewish Day of Atonement for that year. However, using information for the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, we find that in 1844, the Day of Atonement began after sundown, September 23rd, not October 22nd. So this crucial date in adventism was flawed, incorrect from the very beginning. William Miller Which
0: should have been enough for everybody if they were actually reading Deuteronomy 18 and 13 to say, I'm out of here. I'm not going to listen to anything more. She's already said I had one false prophecy, and boy, was it a doozy. Things were marked by much emotionalism
4: and a great deal of hysteria
0: over Christ. Yeah, they, they crawled the, her meetings. And I'm not even getting into this, but they would be women kissing women, other men kissing other women, people going around on the floor like animals and stuff. It reminds me of the a lot of the modern day uh Charismatic stuff that goes on. It was very, very much those atmospheres in the earliest meetings of G. White. That's another thing that I'm not even getting in today, but I've I've seen that over and over. Here's a depiction of it actually happening at one of the meetings. Just totally unbiblical. Everything totally out. The Bible says that everything should be done decently and in order, especially in in the in the house of Christ, or you know whether you're gathered together and things of this nature. And this is insane. What I'm this picture is depicting.
4: Return. Ellen Harmon was a willing participant but when Christ did not return when Miller predicted she dissolved into tears and prayers and remained as she said in this hopeless condition for months. <laughs> Ellen White just could not accept the fact that Christ did not return in 1843
0: or 1844. Okay, so that was that was the Millerite prediction but she couldn't accept it, it was heartbroken and again she should have known at that point okay the guy's a false prophet. But she just went her own and she started her own thing then. In this hopeless condition for months, Ellen White just could
4: not accept the fact that Christ did not return in 1843 or 1844. She could not admit her mistake. Interestingly enough, William Miller did. (laughs) Instead, she claimed she had a vision from God, the first of many.
1: I have seen that the 1843 chart was directed by the hand of the Lord and that it should not be altered, that the figures were as he wanted them, that his hand was over and hid a mistake in some of the figures. Rather than admit that she was an heir, Ellen Harmon claimed that God was the one who had made the mistake and had covered it up himself. Ellen's controversial vision forced the readjustment of many Adventist dates and doctrines, even though the 1843 date had now been adjusted to 1844 it was still an error. Nevertheless, the 1844 date became the foundation for many central Adventist doctrines and beliefs, which continue to be held to this day. and
0: okay, now, if, if the Bible says, Psalm 11, verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Or what if they're corrupted? Well, if you build on a corrupt foundation, which this totally was, there's no Bible for some crazy woman starting her own little cult and predicting um, date setting, getting them all wrong. We know it's not of God right from the very beginning. If you're reading your Bible, but still people fall for it. Now this William Miller guy was an American Baptist preacher who was credited with the beginning, uh, um, the mid 19th century North American religious movement known as Millerism. I think they're also called Millerites. Um, after his proclamation of the Second Coming did not occur as expected in the 1840s, and that's what she was embroiled in, Ellen White. But new heirs of his message emerged, including Ad- Advent Christians, which uh, Advent Christian is also known as Advent Christian General Conference, the first day body of just some other cult, Then and then also the Seventh-day Adventist, and then other Adventist movements. So evidently there's other Adventist movements, and I'd stay away from all that, garbage and you know look just from this one guy what spawned from this even though i guess he recanted still i mean it's it's horrible
4: she became ellen white upon her marriage to another former millerite believer james white in 1846 because she claimed to have the spirit of prophecy Mm. she came to be the visible
0: absolute authority she had a spirit all right but it wasn't a true spirit of prophecy for the initially small group of Adventist believers.
1: I am presenting to you that which the Lord has presented to me. I do not write one article in the paper expressing merely my own ideas.
0: So she is basically saying, I am the voice of God. Whenever you hear that, I I typically, that's a gigantic red flag. Goes on all the time now too, to this day. It's like, oh, well, if you actually start believing that, well, I hope so, ma'am, that you're getting, or sir, or whoever you're, is prophesying, I hope that this time-dependent prophecy goes through exactly the right way or you are a false prophet. And in the Old Testament, they take you out and stone you. But there's no there's no fear of that now, so these false false prophecies just fly everywhere. It's particularly in the Pentecostal and those type of circles, but she's basically acting as though she says, I am presenting to you that which the Lord has presented to me. I do not write one article in the paper, especially merely my own ideas. We'll let her say more. They are what God has opened before me in vision. No, they're not, witch. God never talked to you. If he did, it was a long, long time ago. He's not talking to you then because you're spewing out lies. You're totally out of order biblically from that standpoint. And from a lot of other standpoints, and it's just unbelievable. The precious rays
1: of light shining from the throne.
4: Oh, gag me. Her writings grew to be 17 times as
0: large as the entire Bible. (laughs) And that's what always happens. Her own writings were 17 times that of the Bible. It always happens in these cults. The Book of Mormon has, you know, or I'm sorry, the Mormonism has the Bible in, in the back. It always has to be on the back shelf and then it has the book of mormon and then it has the pearl of great price and then all the, the other heretical garbage and then jehovah witnesses have their watchtower magazine and all their other heretical writings and seven day Adventist it has you know 17 times or whatever just lng white alone it's just who are you gonna put as your authority you're gonna put lng white are you gonna put you know um the founder of the mormon religion the founder of the jehovah witnesses are you going to put them and then all their other false prophets that came behind? You, you have to make a decision. Who who am I going to put as, as, as the true source of, of who I believe and who I follow? And with these cults, you always have to place these heretics as your sole source of authority because the Bible sure can't be. You got you to gotta pick one or the other. And they always pick the heretical lies to follow. Her followers were to reference
4: these 5,000 articles... 49 books plus 55,000 manuscript pages she claimed to write and regard them as being as inspired as the Bible
0: to Ellen White How could it be as inspired as the Bible when it totally contradicts the Bible in probably 19,000 places? No, you gotta pick. You have to pick. There, there's no other way around it. And that's what these cults always put you in a position and force you to do. Pen of inspiration.
4: To this day, official publications of the church, have used her writings as the last word on doctrine. In the 27 points of fundamental beliefs, they state that the Bible is a source of authority, (laughs) but they also say that her writings are a continuing and authoritative source of truth. They have, however, made her more embarrassing writings unavailable, locking them securely away in the white estate vault. (laughs) I bet. Mrs. White wrote on nearly every area of Christian life, including doctrine, diet, health, recreation, and marriage. Many of her writings were done from Elmshaven, her California home. She claimed an angel stood by her bed near this chair in her bedroom. They further believe that the three angels mentioned in the Bible Book of Revelation carry three unique messages the investigative judgment, the Saturday Sabbath, and sunday worship
0: being the mark of the beast now again they teach that sunday worship is the literal mark of the beast taking the literal mark of the beast that is how insane they are that is how extra biblical and heretical this devil death cult is
1: Sidney Cleveland was an ordained Seventh-day Adventist minister, who pastored 13 churches between 1979 and 1990. While doing research for a planned book validating the divine inspiration behind Ellen G. White, Cleveland discovered so many false prophecies that he became disenchanted. Eventually, he published his findings in a book titled Whitewashed, Uncovering the Myths of Ellen G. White. The Seventh-day Adventist
2: Church was founded on prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's no coincidence that the Bible contains many warnings about false prophets. The Bible test of a false prophet in Deuteronomy chapters 13 and 18 is simply whether or not the prophecy comes true.
0: It's a matter of... And it's also, Deuteronomy 13 is also, even if it comes true, it says, is it leading you away from God or toward God? So, it could, I mean, a witch, you can go to a, a fortune teller, a witch, and this is why they said why it says it in Deuteronomy 13. You could go to a fortune teller witch and get the right info and think, oh, wow, this is the way to go. This witch got it right. Yeah, but she's leading you to hellfire. She's leading you away from God. So that would also be concerned uh, connected to a false prophet. Historical record that the following prophecies of Ellen G. White did not come true as she foretold. Okay, so we're at the 751 mark. So he's now they're gonna go into all the prophecies that didn't come true, okay? Proving that she's a false prophet, that in the Old Testament would have been taken out and stoned, okay? Because it was a really big deal back then. It's a really big deal back now, though. God is, you know, the same today, yesterday, forever. It's just that there's no um, ramifications now, at least in this life for spewing out false prophecies and that's why so many of these devil death cults pop have popped up cuz there's no real repercussions but there is in the next life. Um now, I'm not going to go any further with this because um uh it, this goes on to the fo- almost the 49 minute mark. So if you want to hear a ton of her false prophecies, keep listening. But I wanted to like, give you the the kind of like the uh cliff note version of the whole thing. Okay, so, then there's this part, and uh, this was my, this part was um, my emergency freedom alerts from February 1st, 21, Part 2, and there, I cover a lot of stuff in there, I'll, I'll just read you the table of contents, Q and the false prophets, prophets are now saying Trump is planning to come back and be a champion of America, in my response, Still doing the same thing. Check before it's news. You know, still saying the same stuff. He's 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 coming back. He's going to be back any second. He might. He might. They might bring him back. But it's not because he's going to be some kind of champion for truth. Then why biblically we are not in the tribulation yet? The abomination of desolation, rebuilt temple, image of the beast, seven year tribulation, Bible verses. Then biblical qualifications of the antichrist and why Donald Trump cannot fulfill them. Then the last thing I covered, in which relates to this subject, is warning regarding the Seventh-day Adventist Walter Vaith. Um, and then also, even though we are not in the tribulation, many are teaching the deadly head wound of the Antichrist has been or will shortly be healed. Is the image of the beast forming? Because I was starting to get questions about that. So I did a whole teaching on that. Okay. We're not in the tribulation, so how is the deadly head wound of the Antichrist being healed? I give it right from the Seventh-day Adventists. Right from their own writings, they say that this has been done. This is why you just, you you want to stay away from them. Now, my personal experiences with this is, um, and I wasn't even going to say anything about this, but I just, I don't know, I believe I just got convicted. My, uh my great grandma on my dad's side was a seventh day adventist <clears throat> in um columbiana ohio which is where my dad dad's family grew up and evidently from what i heard she was just the sweetest most wonderful uh, person that they that they any of them had ever known i mean just a sweetheart i never she was gone before my time Um, but she was a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, it wasn't like that side of the family was, I think she was the only one. How she became one, I don't know. Remember, they're good at what they do. And evidently, and I don't know how old she was, she, um, I think it was during winter. And in Ohio... And I'm sure up north. And a lot of the old houses probably still have this. They're called, I believe, registers. And it's heat that comes out from the floor. Um, and she had one behind a couch, I guess. And Evidently, one night, somehow, she fell down and got pinned on top of the register, pinned behind this couch. How? I have no idea and evidently the part of her body that went over the register were her female private parts and it literally cooked she couldn't move and it cooked her alive she died in this unbelievably horrific way that's about all i ever heard nobody in the family really wanted to ever talk about my my dad the only reason he talked about it is because this is why my dad basically hated god because he says i don't understand how a god that's so wonderful and benevolent could let the sweetest person i ever knew die in this unbelievably horrific way well remember the devil's also at play here as well okay and i have no idea the the whole circumstances leading up again this is she was gone she was gone before i was even born but my dad used that as an excuse his whole life to basically kind of hate God. And, um, I mean, if we had anybody come to the front door when I was growing up. Oh, I mean, it didn't matter. Mormons, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, Christians. Oh, God help them. My dad, It didn't matter if they had little kids with them. My dad would literally just start. He was demon infested. And when that that man went, like, got angry, it it was a, wow. You might not have ever seen anything like it. I'm telling you, it was was otherworldly. And he would literally chase them off the property, screaming, cussing. I mean, I saw him do it so many times. And it's how I grew up. Okay. So we did not grow up in a Christian household. I mean, it was the farthest thing from it. My mom was like a jaded Catholic, um, into the new age, into yoga. They were, they were into the more, the the product of the sixties and party hard and, you know, stuff like that. And so years go by and my dad has a sister and, um, she has a daughter, um, named Stephanie. And, Stephanie was always I don't know if, as far as I could really remember back she wasn't always she wasn't always quite there mentally she was always like mm. she married this really really super rich guy that promised her all of this stuff and in you know life of leisure which he basically gave to her but there was no there was no love at all there was no nothing and she lived in a very affluent lifestyle and then toward the end right before I think they divorced. She said, oh, I'm, I've am i found grandma's religion, uh, great grandma's religion, which was the Seventh-day Adventism. So she went back to that. She was already about half crazy. I mean, she really was. She'd be walking up and down the, the roads and stuff and on the side of the highways and stuff. And, and she was uh, doing weird stuff. And she got into that, and um, I mean, as bad as she was before, once she became a seventh-day Adventist, you couldn't even talk to her anymore. I mean, she was so far off the deep end. They probably liked her though because of her money, because she had, she still had a lot of money. Uh, you know, Taylor alluded to that, and um, I tried to, like, kind of like witness to her and stuff. There was no. Uh, she was hook, line, and sinker. I mean, she and and just crazy. Just and I saw the fruit of Seventh Day Adventism with with her. I saw a lot of the the real fruit, you know. And she was, oh, I'm a vegetarian. She'd just eat the most garbage food. But yeah, it was There was no meat involved. And in the end, she just became more and more crazy and more and more demon infested. And that's what'll typically happen. And to the point where they. My cousin, his his wife went in there one day, and you know she'd gotten real obese, and, and found her, and I she died. I don't know how, but probably just from all the garbage she was putting in her body. Yet you know all, they had all these parameters on Seventh Day Adventist what you could eat and what you couldn't, or whatever. But you know there's still a lot of loopholes evidently, and a lot of people in Seventh Day Adventism do that, and um, she was gone. That was probably. I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I it's funny because I had been I, I'd always tried to kind of like reach out to her and but she always wanted to debate me. And I'm like, okay, fine, let's debate. Because I'm not gonna back down to you. You're you're an occult. You're I mean, you're what you're doing isn't even remotely biblical. And I'd give her all she didn't want she didn't want to hear it. Didn't matter how much I buried her in truth. She didn't want to hear it. She only wanted to give me her side of the story. She would never look at anything I gave her. And again, I could I could bring up so much because obviously what we just looked at is the tip of the iceberg on the insanity of LNG White. How do you defend that? You know. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd, I'd kind of throw that in there um, at the end. I, I I've said I've mentioned that on a couple, you know, occasions. But watch out for it. Watch out for their videos that are dropping. They're very slick, and um, I just want you to all be warned. So anyway, God bless you, and we will see you in part two.